Amen. What a wonderful worship set this morning as we've trusted through our singing and trusted through lifting our voices together. Um, Y'all, we're going to continue today in our conversation on the parables, Jesus being the great storyteller and uh, looking at a passage in Luke chapter 15. So you got a Bible device, open up to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be reading a story that may be familiar to some that have been in the church for a while. If it's new to you, y'all, wherever we are in that, the Lord's going to speak to each of us as we, as we read this passage together. Um, two quick updates as you're turning there, Luke chapter 15, beginning of verse 11 in just a moment. Um, one, uh, we are, a couple folks asked after service, first service, um, we are done with Wednesday night services for the semester, all right? So we're going to pick those back up after the first of the year. You can still come by here. It might be a little bit quieter, you know. We'll get you the lockbox code. You can come in, but uh, y'all come on out, not on Sunday mornings and continue gathering groups, but Wednesday night services have have now been postponed for the, um, for the holidays as they're coming up. Uh, and also, other, a few other folks asked, we are having our Back to the Future luncheon today after the service. So we are going to be setting some tables up at the end of service in here. Uh, but that's going to take place here. A couple folks, and that's on me. could be awkward at the rec center. A couple folks on the way out were like, hey, I'll see you at the rec department in a little while. I was like, yeah, that'll be cool. For what? Anyway, for the lunch. The, I, that was me. All right, it's not at the rec gym. It's here. So if you're planning on staying, don't go and just stay right here. It'll be good and help set up some tables so that we can thank you for volunteering. So uh, y'all for real, plan on doing that one. All right, we're in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Uh, we've talked about just in the last couple of weeks how this word parable, another guy on the way out of the door said, you know, as I was a kid, my Sunday school used to, teachers used to tell me that a parable was an earthly story with some heavenly principles. You know, that's a good definition of it. This idea that Jesus, oftentimes, when someone asked him an extremely difficult question, would answer that question with a question or would answer that question by telling a cool story. It was so simple that kids that heard the story would go, that makes sense. But the adults that heard the story, y'all would oftentimes have to wrestle with it because there were some eternal principles woven in as Jesus shared just a story that sounded very simple. Today we're going to be looking at one called the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Right before that, if you have some time this week, there's a couple of passages right before it in the Luke chapter 15 talking about things that are lost and then found again. Uh, the first is about a man who had a hundred sheep. And Jesus is telling the story. He says, if a guy loses one of his sheep, what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99 to go out and find the one that was lost. The second story that he tells is about a lady that had 10 silver coins, how she lost one of them. So she put everything else on hold and she flipped the house upside down to find the one coin that was lost. She found it. They had a party. She was feeling really good. This one's a little bit different because it gives us a couple other insights to some of the characters in the story. This story is about a young man that chooses to leave on his own accord and then at some point in the future comes to his right mind and says, Lord, I want to come back home. So it gives us the perspective of the one that was lost. It also gives us the perspective of the one that stayed and the father that was there throughout the whole time. I'm just going to read this story, y'all, because Jesus said it, and he tells the story a lot better than I can. So if you've got your Bible, let's just read along. We're going to read this together, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it for just a few moments. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11, Jesus says, you see, there was this man who had two sons, and the younger of the sons said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. He's wanting his inheritance, and he wants it right then. And he divided his property between them, his younger son and his older son. 
Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took off. He takes off on a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. We don't have an expansion on what reckless living is. You can use your imagination, whatever it is. He lost a lot of money real quick. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. At the first service, I told people I didn't know what pods were. Does anybody here know what a pod is? Anybody own pigs in this place? First service does. And I have three pictures that they texted me on the way home of what a pod is. All right, So a pod... It's the thing that grows on a tree. It looks kind of gross to begin with. But then the lady from True Story, her words to me was, if you were raised in Puerto Rico like I was, you would a pod. I was like, I, I wasn't raised. I was raised in Augusta. Like, it's not the same. Totally different. So she sent me a picture of it, a pod, thing that grows on a tree. You can bust it open. There's some mushy stuff inside. You feed it to pigs. Said her family actually grew a lot of those, and they would feed them to the pigs. But said the worst part about them is they smelled terrible. So when you bust them open, it has this real strong stench that isn't very pleasant. So this guy... In the story that Jesus is telling, hires himself out to feed a bunch of pigs. This is pre-tablecloth coming down from heaven in the New Testament where the Lord says, eat the barbecue. It's pre that. All right, This is in the Jewish world. They weren't supposed to be around pigs, let alone touch them or eat the food that they're eating. So when Jesus is telling this story to a bunch of church folks who were some good religious folks at the time, according to themselves... Jesus is telling the story, and a lot of their ears are probably perking up, like, I don't want to have anything to do with this man because he's hanging out with the pigs. But the scripture says he's not just hanging out with pigs. He's longing to eat pig food. That's rough. Then it gets rougher because it says, and no one gave him anything. This dude's in a sad spot. Verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, other translations say, when he came to his senses, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, he starts rehearsing. You ever been in a situation where you made something a mess? You know, like it's a mess. You say, oh, how, what can I say to mom? Like, what can I, how can I, dad, you see the reason I'm running late is because I ran out of gas. Like, come on, you're starting to rehearse things in your mind about how to work through a situation. That's what he's doing. He said, okay, what I can say, I know I can say, I say, father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He doesn't even ask them to treat him as a slave because in their day, a slave, you were responsible. You just had to, had to feed a hired servant, had nut, like you could just dismiss it anytime. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, remember that stuff he was rehearsing a minute ago? The son was like, Father, hey, yeah, like I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Dad completely ignores that and says, that's great. Like, servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on and put a ring on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it, not the unfattened calf. Like, if I was the unfattened calf, you would have thought, yeah, today's my day. The fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat 
And celebrate for this, look at this line, verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. They had a party with music and dancing and food. The first time Jesus told this story, it was in a room full of mostly church folk who up until this point would have been like, yes, Jesus loves lost people because he does. If you're in a place in life right now and you feel like everybody's forgotten about you and nobody knows what's going on in your heart, your mind, or your soul, I believe in my heart, mind, and soul that the God of the universe does and that he's seeking to find you where you are and meet you in that very moment. But here, everybody here, and it's like, yeah, some people mess up. But Jesus doesn't just talk to those that know they're in a mess. He always talks to those who think they've got it all figured out. So the story goes on in verse 25. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. I have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. If I ever pull in the driveway and hear music and dancing, it's about to be on. You know, like it's, it's good. Some of y'all grew up in churches where they went dancing. I'm sorry. It's okay. But I'm not saying it's biblical. We're just to get there. But he's, he drew in the house. He hears music and dancing. He called, the older brother, called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Why is there music and dancing? The servant said to him, your brother's come home. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But look at the response of the older brother. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, asked him to come inside. But he answered his father. He said, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed you. I never broke your commands. You never gave me a young goat. I don't know if that's true. I mean, maybe this was like rough talk back in the day. Like we've gotten rougher over the years. You didn't give me a young goat. And the dad's like, oh, are you serious? I want to celebrate. Who want, anyway, this is a sidebar. We have fun. This is the holy word of God. But have you ever asked your parents for a young goat to celebrate with your friends? Because that's a party. So anyway, you have a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Verse 30, but when, look how he calls his brother. He doesn't say it's his brother. He says, but when this son of yours who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting. It was the right thing to do to celebrate and be glad for your brother, he doesn't say my son, he says your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Yo, that's a good story. And if you've heard that before, I pray that the Lord is already saying something to you about it that he's never said before. If you've never heard it before, it can change some things in your heart, mind, and soul. There's a simple message this morning. There's three types of people in this story. There's three main characters in the story. The first is naturally the prodigal son. The prodigal son. What does prodigal mean? It means the one who wasted, the one who ran off, the one who lost it all. We know that you can tell a lot about a person by how they spend their money. This prodigal went to his dad one day. He said, I won't, yeah, but there's a commercial in the 90s, all right? Some of y'all were raised by grandparents during the day, back in the 90s, watched like The Price is Right, you know what I mean, in the middle of the day, 11 o'clock, like Bob Barker times, and we would watch that. And on the commercial breaks, there was this bus that would drive down the road and a guy would hang his head out the side of the bus and he would say, it's my money and I want it now. Does anybody remember that commercial? I was like, I want that. And my grandparents gave me a lecture on why lawsuits are bad. Like it was this whole, it was this whole thing. But that's what this guy's doing. 
He goes to his dad before dad has hit the grave and he says, dad, I want my inheritance today. For real. Like in this day and age, a father at any time could say, I'm done working. I'm tired. It's time to pass everything down to you guys. Y'all are going to run the stuff. I'm going to kick back for the last little while. But the dad hadn't done that yet. So the son goes to him and says, I want my inheritance before you've offered to give it to me. What he was actually saying in that moment to everybody that was hearing it was, I kind of wish you were dead. If he would just go on and die, I could get what's already mine. Y'all, that's rough. What's going on in this household? I don't know. This guy says, I wish you were dead. And this dad wasn't like my dad who would have had some words after I said something like that. This dad said, okay. Let's split it up. Most of us, if you, if you didn't know already, the, the dad in the story, all right, that Jesus is telling is a picture of God himself. So God is the father in this story. So God the father is being illustrated in this story by saying, all I have is yours. Does that sound familiar? Let's go on and tear, tear the temple veil. Let me go do everything in my power to gain access to it. You want it? You got it. So the son gets it. And he runs off to Millie Vegas or Athens Vegas or actual Vegas. We don't know where he went. He goes to some other country. He starts spending money. You ever had a time when money was rolling? You're like, this is good. I mean, that's what this guy's doing. He's spending it like there's more stimmies. Like, it's just going and going and going. It's just nonstop. And all of a sudden, famine hits. He runs out of money. And he begins to realize, I'm in a little bit of trouble. Everything that he began to think would lead him to something better ended up not being as good as he thought. Some people have struggled by looking at, you can call it whatever you want, looking at the pasture that's not yours, and it's, it's greener. You ever heard that expression? Like, oh, it got distracted. The grass is greener on the other side. Whatever that may look like, maybe for you, and something you've been tempted in life. You know why it's greener on the other side? Because somebody else is tending it better than you're tending your own. All right? This is harsh. It's not in the notes. Go home and tend your grass. Like, go Go home and tend the soil. But some of us at different times in life, some of y'all may be living through this right now. I've been through these types of experiences in my own life where you go down a path thinking it's going to lead to something better. And before you know it, you start to realize it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. This is not working out the way I had planned. In this story, the prodigal sin, called the devil himself, you can call it the world, his own thinking, promised him freedom if he could get out of the situation that he was in but ended up leading him into slavery. The prodigal sin promised him success, but ended up leading him to failure. His own sin promised that he would find himself. Isn't that a phrase that we hear a lot in 2021 USA? Go out and find yourself. Find the real you. Leave that, all the traditions, all the norms. All, there's no norms. Like Just leave it all behind. Can I just be honest with you just as a simple guy who doesn't have all the answers? But I know the one that does have all the answers. That leads to a lot of hurt. I'm seeing a lot of people hurt themselves because they're trying to find themselves in something other than what God has promised. And in my life, the times that I've tried to go out and find myself, find a better version of me, try to do it on my own, I usually don't hit rock bottom on day one. You know, usually it's like a gradual process where it starts to sink in of like, I think I may be going in the wrong direction. Y'all, we all have a choice to make in those times of life. 
whether it's the Holy Spirit in your heart or your own conscience is working on, if you're currently somewhere in your heart, <laughs> in your head or your heart, and something is saying, I think that gentle whisper, like, hey, you might need to turn around. Heed that. Look at God's word and see what it says about whatever it is you may be struggling in that regard. Find another two believer or two and ask them. Say, hey, have you struggled with this? Like, are you, does this sound legitimate? Like to me, turn around. This guy didn't heed it. He kept on going. Lost it all. Next thing you know, he was sitting in a pig pen, starving, wishing he could eat pig food. Anybody know a prodigal? Don't raise your hand. Anybody in here been a prodigal? Raise your hand. We all. Y'all, there are three different types of folks in the story. There's the Lord, this younger son, the older son. The younger son messed up bad. Finally got to a point where I believe in the story, he repented of his, he laid it down and said, I got to go home. Some of the people in this room have someone in your life, very likely right now or hearing word online, that is currently going down a path and you may be watching them make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. You may be trying to pour into them saying, would you please stop what you are doing? You're hurting yourself. You're hurting other people. You're hurting the kids. You're hurting the... What I have found, as hard as it is, there's nothing we can do to cause someone else to heed the advice of the Lord. It has to come from their own heart and their own mind to choose it. Now, God does allow us to be around other folks, and I think we need to heed that. If you currently see somebody that's going down a path that's going to hurt them in love, it's okay to say, hey, you good. But this guy didn't get it figured out until he hit rock bottom. People have different standards of what rock bottom is. I've talked to our folks in Celebrate Recovery who lead this extremely well. Got to hit that rock bottom. You ever look at somebody else and think, wow, your rock bottom's a lot lower than mine. I've struggled with that. But when this guy finally hit that rock bottom for him is when he began to say, I messed up. Maybe somebody in the room has been through something like that before where you stopped and looked around and said, this is a mess. How did I get here? In the story that Jesus is telling, he says right after that, when the guy said, I got to go home. It says that while he was still a long ways off, I, I, this is me, I, I think Jesus believes as, as long as a person was away from God and against God, he was not truly himself or herself. To me, God created us to be true to ourselves when we're on our way home, when we're in relationship with him. So if you're currently trying to find yourself or your meaning or your value or your worth outside of who you are in the gospel of Jesus Christ, man, I pray for you right now that the Lord would remind you of who you are in him. Because this prodigal was willing to be an ordinary hired servant in his dad's house than where he currently was. So if you know somebody that's a prodigal that's currently going down a path, I'd encourage you to continue to pray for them. Trust the Lord with them. Don't give up. Don't let it change your heart like we're about to get into. But before we go any further, if you currently feel like you are a prodigal, the thing about our modern world is, in his world, you had to get up in a pig pen. Everybody go, yeah, that's a mess. Like some people you're going to look at and you go, yeah, no joke, that's a mess. Like this is, this is rough. Like you're in a rough spot. But for most of us, we can filter the mess away, you know? Walk in a room and go, I am just as good, if not better, than everybody else around me. But on the inside, you feel like you're living in a pig pen.
Don't leave here today feeling like that. Trust that when Jesus is telling this story, he was thinking about you when he told it. And I believe he was thinking about running towards you, just as the Father is in this one. The second guy we read about is the self-righteous son. That's a rough, that's a rough call. The story goes on to say, as the prodigal was coming home, dad meets him. Older brother's out working in the yard. How many, oh no, don't raise your hand. I'm the oldest in my family. My wife's the oldest in, in her, you know, sibling group. Like the oldest, sometimes we're type A. Sometimes the young ones look at us and go, you're annoying. You know, I mean, so can we be honest? Like, it's just, it's just how it is. It's the way the crooked crumbles. But in, in this story, the self-righteous son is the one who always did the right thing. He did it right. He played it by the book. He looked the part. He said the right words. He went to the right services. On the outside, everything was looking sharp. And when he found out that his brother, who he didn't call his brother, he called his father's son, he'd come home, he missed out on the chance to celebrate with him because he was so angry and bitter inside. The Pharisees up until this point were probably agreeing with Jesus, like, yep, that's right, yep, you go on, preach it, yep, yep. And then he started talking about self-righteous people. I personally think the room got very quiet. For we find out that this older brother had been serving his dad, not out of love, but out of duty. If you, in any relationship in your life, whether it's with a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend or a kid or somebody at work, if any relationship in your life is grounded more in duty than it is in love, it's not going to end well. This guy had gotten to a point where he didn't have empathy for his younger brother anymore. When he finds out his brother came home, what's the first thing he said? Oh, he wasted all his money on prostitutes. Didn't Jesus never say anything about prostitutes? Where'd that come from, homie? Like, what is this about? What was the brother thinking about in the fields? We don't know. But in his mind, he might have worked up some scenario about his younger brother, ran off, got to experience the world, got to see the thing, squandered all half of my money and inheritance. Now he's back and we're going to have a party? No. He doesn't deserve a party. I deserve a party. I've been working hard, paying my taxes, doing everything right, Lord. And yet we're going to celebrate this lost one that was found. His anger prevented him from experiencing fellowship with his brother. But more than that, it prevented him from experiencing fellowship with God. For the father went out to the older son and said, come on, boy, like it's, it's a party in there. And he said, I'm not going in your house. I'm too angry at how this has worked out. My kids have learned about Georgia history in the last week. And they've talked a lot about James Edward Oglethorpe. Does anybody know who James Edward Oglethorpe is? Yep, they founded that Georgia. It worked out well for most, yeah, some of us, <laughs> all of us. I didn't know. I, I did a, a report on James Edward Oglethorpe in 1995. I made a pillow with J-E-E on it. My daughter was trying to describe to us who he was the other day because she had to study about him. I was like, Chuck, what did she say? I was like, Carolyn, who? She was like, you know, Jim, John, um, Sam starts with an O. I was like, an O? Yeah, he's like a president or something. What did he look like? Ah, uh, white guy with a beard. I was like, this is, that doesn't help me at all. And later we found out it was James Edward Oglethorpe. Didn't match at all. G- General Oglethorpe, actually, um, one time I had a conversation with John Wesley out of some of John Wesley's memoirs. He founded the Methodist Church. And General Oglethorpe, who founded our state, told John Wesley, I will never forgive anyone who has harmed me. 
To which John Wesley replied, then, sir, I pray that you've never sinned. Something can happen in our hearts and our minds when we've been wronged by someone else. There are people in this room that have been wronged by other people, and I'm so sorry. Some of the stories that I've heard from people in this place, from some of our young people that are here today, from some of the things that our senior adults have experienced in their life, I'm so sorry. And I believe that what you, some of you have been through has broken the very heart of God because he doesn't want his kids to hurt. But we've got to be careful, y'all, to not allow the harm or the poor decisions or the wrong moves of someone else to cause our heart to become hardened so we become angry and bitter. This guy's outward actions didn't match his inward attitude. On the outside, he was doing it right. But on the inside, he was so hard and cold. Couldn't even call him brother. Called him your son. And he missed out on the fellowship because of it. How many of y'all know some a self-righteous person? <laughs> some of us have struggled with being self-righteous. I had somebody tell me earlier, I've been both of the characters in the story at different times in my life. If you struggle with the actions of someone else, I would pray for you right now that you would trust the Lord with them and ask him, Lord, please don't let me miss out on celebrating what you're doing in someone else's life. May we always serve out of love, not out of duty, and be willing to love like Jesus, not anybody else. The third character in the story is the loving father, who is, that's the Lord in the story. Many have said this story would be better called the, the, the parable of the loving father instead of the parable of the prodigal son because it's all about the reaction that the son gets. The story says that while the young kid, younger brother, was a long way off. How long is that? I don't know. I had to, this is, when first service was moving, we had a couple more conversations out here and somebody said, you think he was still in the pig pen? I was like, Maybe. Scripture says, like, Jesus is giving us a picture of who God is, of his heart. This is while the guy was still a long way off, the father ran to him to meet him. In Jewish tradition, you didn't run when you're all dressed up. You're not going to do that. This guy set every tradition aside and ran after the one who finally said, I'm ready to come home. I'm tired. I'm sick. I'm broken. I'm a mess. Today is the day to go and beg dad to bring me back in. And dad chased him down. I was wondering as we were worshiping earlier, the Holy Spirit can move just like that anywhere on the earth. If I believe in the trends, like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, if in heaven, like this morning, they're having a conversation. I don't know exactly what that would look like. But if in the middle of the conversation, every now and then the Holy Spirit just gone, you ever wonder that? And they're like, where did he go? Maybe behind his back, if he has a back, he turns around and goes, I've got another one. I got to meet them where they are. The story says that the father didn't wait for the son to get all the way into his presence. He found him a long way off because he had been waiting for his son to come home. Different things speak to me in this story. Every time I read it, this time around, it was the idea that the prodigal son, while he was in the pig pen, wanted to eat pods that we now know what those are, wanted to go home. Do you remember why he wanted to go home in the story? Because he was thinking about his dad. And the goodness of his father drew him home. He knew that his father loved him and would bring him back. So he chose to take every step along the way. 
The father never allowed the prodigal to ask to be a hired hand. He called for the robe, which was a sign of honor. He called for a ring, which was a sign of authority. He called for sandals or shoes that you would only give your children. He was reinstating him before he had a chance to do anything on his own. The loving father met him where he was. It doesn't matter where you are when you choose to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. He will meet you in that moment. I've had conversations with people, some in this room, some not in this room, that found the Lord in a bar in Athens on a Thursday night. Cool. I found other people who, after meeting with a Christian counselor, sometimes in this very building, have had a relationship with the Lord start up when they realized it's time for me to say, Lord, I believe. We've had people in this very room who at the end of a service will say to me or to someone else, I want to believe right now. And we trust and believe that when we say that, the Lord meets us right where we are. He runs to us. The prodigal had in his mind that he was lost. And yet, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the way. The prodigal had it in his mind that he was ignorant and made so many bad decisions. He didn't know which way was up and which way was down. And yet, Jesus says, I am the truth. The prodigal said that he was pretty much dead. And Jesus said, I'm the life. Anyone that comes into me will live forever. So I ask you, church, as we get ready to sing another song in just a little bit, where are you at in this story? What's the Lord saying to you? If you know someone that's currently acting like a prodigal, pray for them. Bring them to this altar in their heart. Like Trust the Lord with them. If you currently feel like a prodigal, don't let today go by without you choosing to say, even if everything looks good and perfect and smooth on the outside, to choose to say, Lord, it's a mess, right? Every time I've said that to the Lord, I felt in my being as if he were saying, yeah, but I'm here. If you struggle with self-righteousness or anger or bitterness, Oh, that was cool. <laughs> Darkness. Da, da. Hey, light. Oh, wow. Oh, this is a lot. This is somebody's leaning on the lights. Oh, wow. All right. That we could have so much fun with that, though. That would be cool. My brain is wanting to go in so many directions. If you struggle with anger or bitterness or resentment, towards someone else that has said something or done something, a brother, a sister, a father, a grandparent, a child, a coworker, a spouse, an ex-spouse, please don't let their decisions keep you from fellowship with the Lord. Because I believe with all of my heart that the Lord says to everyone, it doesn't matter if you're born on the good, in the good family on the right side of the tracks or you're born in the wrong family on the wrong side of the tracks. It doesn't matter if you're the firstborn, the secondborn, the lastborn. That when anyone, anyone chooses to say, Lord, I believe I'm ready to come home and be with you and live with you. When anyone makes that decision, the first words out of the Lord's mouth are, kill the fatty calf, you know, start the music, get the rope. I'm not even going to stay here and make preparation. I'm, we, gee, you got the preparation. I'm going to run out and meet him where he is. Y'all think about that for a minute. And I'm almost, think about that for a minute. That if we believe the Bible and what it says, that Jesus himself will meet us in heaven when we get there. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You ever think, like, I'm not going to have to figure out what heaven looks like on my own. My Savior's going to show me around. 
The love of the Father is real. Do you know what it's like to be loved by the love of the Lord? If you do, celebrate that. Enjoy the fellowship. Spend more time in fellowship. If you don't, let today be the day that you choose to say, Lord, I'm ready to come home. I need you in my life. And watch what it'll do. Because when we say, ready, I'm, Lord, I'm ready to come, Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you right where you are. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for your promises and for your willingness to meet us right where we are in this world. Lord, you know the hearts of your people. You know that there are those hearing this story right now that either are or have been like prodigals at different times in their lives. If there's anybody that's currently going down a path that's leading to something bad, Lord, let today be the day before they end up in the total destruction. Let today be the day that they stop and repent of it and lay it down and say, Lord, I got to go the other direction. Lord, if there are people gathered here hearing these words that, is, is, that are struggling right now because of the actions of someone else, Lord, let us be faithful and true in our prayers to know that you are God and you can soften hearts that we can't. Lord, I pray, I want, please, I want everybody that hears this to know what it is like to be embraced by a loving creator and savior. If there's anybody, even on the outside, whether they're in sixth grade, whether they're in college, whether they're 90 years old, on the outside, everything looks good. But on the inside, they feel as if everybody has forgotten, that nobody knows Lord, right now in this moment, I pray that the Holy Spirit would meet them right where they are. Allow them to lay that down and to trust and believe that you really are like the Father in this story. You really do wait for all of us patiently. And that, Lord, you run to us. You run. Let us celebrate that. If there's anybody here or hearing that, that has never confessed Jesus as Lord, let them do it right now where they are. They, don't, they can talk to me afterwards. They can talk to you, Lord. They don't even need me in any of this. They can just say, Lord, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he was buried in the grave. I believe that he was brought back to life and that he's alive right now in this moment. I confess my sins. I lay them down. Lord, it's a mess, but I believe that you are more. Let them pray it and believe it, Lord. And overwhelm them with your love. Let them catch glimpses of you running towards them. Lord, if there's anybody in this place that's struggling with self-righteousness because of their actions or the actions of somebody else that's currently separating them from fellowship with other believers or with you, Lord, let today be the day that we all choose to say, no more. I'm ready to partake in the music and the dancing and the food. I'm tired of staying out here dutifully working by myself. Let us be a part of what you have created. Lord, this is why in Scripture you tell everybody to be like Jesus. You don't tell them to be like me or anybody else because we've all struggled with this. So I pray for that. Lord, in just a moment as we sing this song... People may make decisions where they are or come to an altar. If they need to talk to somebody, let them come down. Talk to me or somebody else and say, Man, I, I want to believe. I want to let the world know I believe in this. Lord, we'll add more. We have people that are going to be baptized in the next few weeks. 
We want to celebrate that with them. If there are others that need to come and just pray at an altar or, or ask somebody to pray over them. Lord, we're all in this thing together and we're called brothers and sisters for a reason in Christ. To meet each other where we are as we all come back into your presence. Thank you, Lord, for doing the things in life that we can't and for choosing to love us and to do everything needed to gain access to us before we had a chance to accept it. But Lord, I pray that today we can all leave this place knowing that we have truly accepted it. Help us, Lord. Meet us where we are. We pray these things in Jesus' name.